I think the biggest challenge is probably just being still. It's hard for me to not work out the way I normally would um, in terms of lifting, in terms of preparation, in terms of how I prepare like while I'm in season. It's almost like the summertime, only there's no travel. Louisville small forward Jordan Wara. For you, uh, having a chance to play on the biggest stage, the NCAA tournament, having the conference tournament basically shut down before you could get started. What were kind of like the emotions, the feelings? Now, obviously, a lot of guys uh, were disappointed, especially, you know, people that aren't going to have another chance to come back. No, it's tough to hear, so there's a lot of emotions. Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. I am a huge Browns fan, but I'm not going to lie to you, I will be getting a Tom Brady jersey. It's just a nod and understanding that this is a great player who has taken his talents to a different market, and I respect it. Welcome to episode 101 of Pull Up, like 101 Dalmatians. It's quarantine time. Hopefully everyone is practicing their proper protocol under the coronavirus, uh, social distancing, washing hands for 20 seconds, whether whether that's singing a song, the alphabet, or whatever it takes, only going to grocery stores, banks, gas stations as needed, and not participating in large gatherings. It's been a struggle, but it's also been fun watching a lot of Netflix and uh, being able to kind of recollect and, and find peace within this. Jordan, what have you been doing during the quarantine, I know we're going to have a special guest coming on. Shout out to you. We're going to have a special guest coming on later. But how has your quarantine been with the kids? I think the biggest thing I've noticed and, and learned over the course of this quarantine is that teachers should be paid more money, uh, according to all the parents out there. How have you been able to deal with kids full time in the house? Well, CJ, as someone who does not have kids yet, you you don't have the luxury of dealing with Two kids, twenty four seven, run around the house like they're in a like they're in a circus, and they don't know what to do because they can't really go anywhere. There's no parks available. There's no play dates. There's no swimming. You know, it's very limiting. And so, on one hand, it's been great, right? Because we get to spend a lot of time as a family, a lot of quality time. There's only so much Netflix you can do, but also it gets it, it's it, nauseating is not the right word. It gets tiring though, and also I think. You get to the point where you're like, you're you're anxious of the of the indefinite status of everything because you don't really know how long you're gonna be contained like this. And as we've talked about, we don't really know how long it's gonna be until we have the outlet of sports, the beautiful outlet that sports provides us, not just basketball, but all sports, you know? So there's a lot of anxiety. Um <laughs> But I also think it's been it's been positive to a degree because it's forced us to be together, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you in terms of it being a good problem to have, being in the house with your loved ones, being in the house with your family. Obviously, it's challenging with the kids running around and uh, essentially driving you crazy with the energy bouncing from wall to wall. But it allows you to kind of recollect and kind of take life uh for granted sometimes. I feel like we all take life for granted, the travel, everything we're doing, and we get caught up in it. Now we're being forced to be still and sit in the house and it's hard for us to really deal with it. Uh, and that's that's a credit to us being used to being engaged and locked into the day-to-day -day life and the struggles that come with it. But now we have a unique struggle of having to watch TV shows, sit in the house, eat, and occasionally maybe walk around the block or, or walk down the street while avoiding people. Um, <laughs> at all costs. But another thing that's been affected um, with coronavirus are films. Uh, looking at this sheet here, P 
Peter Rabbit 2 has been postponed. James Bond has been postponed until the fall. A Quiet Place, Jurassic World, the Batman, Sylvester Stallone movie, um, the Avatar sequels have all been halted. Black Widow, TV shows, Survivor, Saturday Night Live, Amazing Race, The Flash, Handmaid's Tale, which we all know we need, uh, American Housewife, The Resident Empire, The Bold Type, and sports in general, MLB, NBA, NHL, European soccer. Euro 2020 has been postponed to 2021. WWE WrestleMania and the Tokyo Olympics. There's no decision yet, but it's under mounting impression to be postponed as well. So everyone, regardless of what walk of life you face, you're being affected right now by the coronavirus. And um, I just want to remind people out there to take this time to really collect yourself and, and try to find peace during these times of quarantine, uh, although it is very hard uh, to do, I think it's important for us to take advantage of this time because there's nothing we can really do about it besides kind of wait it out and, and stay safe and try to avoid large gatherings and groups of people. What's been the biggest challenge for you, aside from just not hooping and your day-to-day life of being in the gym and the facility? What's the biggest challenge, especially because you are contained like everyone else? I think the biggest challenge... It's probably just being still. Like I'm, I'm okay and content with watching TV shows, being on the couch, but it's hard for me to not work out the, the way I normally would um, in terms of lifting, in terms of preparation, in terms of how I prepare. Like while I'm in season, you know, you're, you get so locked in, your body gets so used to the trauma of wake up, work out, train, take a nap, wake up, train, uh, over and over and over again. To now not have that, to not be meeting with a team. To not be doing those types of things during this time is, it's almost like the summertime, only there's no travel um, besides going to the grocery store um, and the, the plant store. We haven't really gone anywhere. So it's it's just been different. My body is kind of adjusting to it. I'm sleeping in. I'm sleeping longer. I'm, I'm like season three of Elite right now on Netflix, which is a good show I highly recommend. So I've been able to do those things. I honestly don't mind being in the house. Like I'm comfortable with it. And that's my normal routine. It's just the fact that I'm not working out the way I normally would during season. That's kind of throwing me for a loop. CJ, one of the things that I keep hearing from players around the league is that they miss hooping. They miss the routine. But more than anything, they they just miss the guys. They miss the camaraderie that goes with being on a team and playing as many games as you guys do, being on the road as much as you are together, being at the facility, getting that comfort level is something that only comes when you're on an NBA team or a professional athlete in terms of your ability to connect with so many people at once. You know, it's just it's a special bond. And and that's what's been interesting for me to hear. And I think it's it's especially disconcerting when you don't have a warning. Right. I mean, there was no warning for this. So it came and suddenly our lives, your lives are impacted drastically on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I know a lot of players are going crazy sitting in the house. A lot of them are playing video games, watching shows, going on walks, um, trying to clear their heads, doing Q&As online because you're used to consistently having a schedule. You're used to consistently having things and places you need to be, whether that's uh, practice, whether that's appearances, uh, whether that's some of your hobbies and things you may be doing off the court. They're very important um, and, and parts of your life. So it's hard not to get used to it. And now you turn the page and some guys that don't have lives outside of basketball are really struggling right now. And, and as I said before, 
being able to focus on some of my other hobbies and uh, things I'm interested in has been cool, been able to, to really work on it, but you still always constantly miss basketball. But I've been able to really work on some real estate projects. I've been able to take more conference calls and, and meetings for financials and just really learning about the, the market, really learning about what's happening. And uh, some of the, the side projects I have outside of basketball, I've been able to do those. Obviously, it's not as fulfilling, but it's still important that you have something you're able to accomplish and do during these times. Otherwise, you'll, you'll go crazy. Yeah. You can only watch so much TV. You can only play so many video games before you want to you just go back to living your, your normal life. But we have to be disciplined enough to understand that this is for our own good. See, that's the interesting part. It's like, you know, in theory, the opportunity to like watch TV and be able to catch up on shows and movies it, it sounds great, and to a degree it is, but you know, at what point is it too much? Do you feel like kind of lifeless? And I know you you just took a walk around the block. Like, I, I've tried to do that as well, but, you know, not having the game to go back to to watch and not having, you know, stories unfolding, you know, not being able to watch great players, not being able to see who's going to make these playoff pushes and what coaches are, are excelling with with new philosophies, all of these ideas that that get compounded in a season, not having any of that is uh, is really hard. So I wonder for you, like when you're when you're doing these different things that are enjoyable, like you were just describing, are are are, are you able to get fulfillment out of it? See, like do, do you feel like it's actually um, providing an outlet, or how much of an outlet does it provide? It provides a small outlet for sure, uh, physically. Obviously, it's not the same from a training standpoint. Uh, I'm not able to get the rush I get from playing basketball. I'm not able to uh, basically burn the same amount of energy that I burn from basketball. So my appetites change. I'm not as hungry. There's a lot of things that kind of are affected when you're not playing basketball full time. But understanding that I'm preparing for my future and the future of you know many other generations that will come after me from a family standpoint, I think that's important. And being able to you know, tighten up on some things I've always wanted to accomplish and work on outside of basketball now uh, is important to me. It's something that I, I do during the season. You know, I, I, I handle real estate and, and do deals during the season, complete the purchasing of properties and close on land during season. So it's not any different than what I would be doing when I'm playing. I'm just able to be more engaged and actually be more mindful and present during the process as opposed to kind of, you know, half-heartedly listening to conference calls, as I'm sure a lot of people are doing now from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that most of the world is working from home, it's, your your level of focus and engagement just isn't the same when you're at home for almost 24 hours a day. Uh, it kind of shifts a little bit, but I think it's important that we we find hobbies and and really educate ourselves on things outside of basketball because as we've seen, this doesn't last forever. You're not going to always be a part of this fraternity. You're not going to always be able to go and hoop. And if you do, it's not going to be at the same level. So I think it's important we we take this time to really focus on some other things and reach outside of our comfort zone because there's a lot of available opportunities there for us that we we haven't necessarily always taken advantage of. I want to revisit what you said earlier about players, um, you know, not being so not being solely focused on basketball and having outlets. To your point just now, have you? Have you heard from more guys than normal during this time, especially young players, asking you for advice about, you know, either portfolios or um, managing their own money and, and how to educate themselves? Has that happened during this during this process? No, surprisingly, I was being hit up more during the season than I am now, um, mainly because I think people are starting to find out, you know, what players are interested in real estate, what players are interested in tech. 
um, when I when I speak to the rookies before the season starts, they get my number and they begin asking me questions before they even play their first game. So a lot of the younger guys um, have have really reached out preseason and during the season. So now they kind of know how I uh, approach you know life outside of basketball. So I haven't really been hit up by a lot of a lot of guys. More so. Guys interested in knowing what's going on with the situation. When we'll begin playing again? Can they leave? Can they stay? Should they stay? Should they leave? Those are the type of questions I've been getting more so uh, than anything else. And I was just reminded the proper term uh, is social distancing, not quarantine. Um, so I apologize for saying the quarantine, although I think it's it's important that some people in some cities do follow the quarantine, especially if you have a teammate um, that may have been infected or someone in the office that may have been infected, uh, like the, the Nets and the Utah Jazz, among other teams. Yeah, well, you know, you can, you can go anywhere and you can see the, the comfort levels or, or lack thereof. On the walk you just had, you were telling me that you had somebody re- approach you with a jump shot, except you respected him because he only stayed about 10 feet away. And that's kind of your radius, right? The 10 foot radius in all directions. Yeah, six to 10 feet, unless you're my future wife. I don't really want to be close to you uh, at this point in time, just because you never know. You never know what can happen. And you want to respect people's privacy and space, obviously understanding that you could have, you could be a carrier of the virus and not even know it. You know what I mean? I've been in contact with NBA players. I play with players. Um, one of us could honestly have it and have no symptoms and pass it on to someone. So you you don't want to be in a position to potentially do something like that and be at fault or contract it from someone else over a, just a, a nice conversation. <laughs> I'm just imagining you on the streets of Portland, you know, getting approached by by fans, you know, because I know Blazer fans are are very passionate and without anything to do other than than see you and talk to you, I imagine. You, you've gotten some pretty interesting conversational approaches, especially, especially, you know, when when someone has some kind of great idea. Right. Because I've gotten a lot, <laughs> by the way, being in media. I think we have it worse. I think we have it worse because I have gotten lit up with with approaches and, and, and you know, just ridiculous business proposals. I, I could I have a laundry list of them. But but before I get into that, if, for you, like, have you had any crazy people come up to you trying to talk to you because they can't they can't see you on TV or at the Moda? Uh, nothing crazy in person, but I've been getting DMs and messages uh, with business propositions because I said that this is my time to kind of focus on things off the court. So like. A lot of real estate agents in different states, um, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Ohio, like different places throughout the world, Florida, have reached out like, hey, basically, like if you're interested in real estate, you know, would love to work with you, have some properties you may be interested in, things like that. But nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary, just more of the usual um, people interested in potentially sharing a story, sharing something with me, thinking I may be interested Um Outside of the interview I did with Mark Spears, I haven't done any media. I've been kind of just relaxing and, and resting and staying out the way. So I haven't really responded to any of that just because I needed a break. I needed to really decompress and get away from all things basketball. But I'll start lifting again tomorrow and kind of get get back in the swing of things for a bit. Um, it was a nice seven days of of uh, yeah. indulging in some of the things I enjoy. Well, that that was – I wanted to ask you, like – is this the longest you've gone without like really playing full tilt and really working out? Um, besides when I was hurt. Or I guess summer. I guess summer you have you have some time. Yeah, summer I do I decompress. I do like 
16 days of nothing. And then I start like lifting and kind of slowly working my way back uh, a little over two weeks. But when you get hurt, when I got hurt last season with the Poblidius, I literally didn't do anything for like eight days and it was the worst. They They didn't want me doing any rehab, any therapy. They just wanted me to rest. So we didn't start therapy or rehab until like seven days in. And it was a nightmare to just sit around and eat and just do nothing. It was hard, but yeah, no, but that's the same thing. That's the same thing in terms of like, you get to a point where all that downtime becomes frustrating and you feel stagnant, not only physically, but I think mentally as well. Yeah, you do. You feel like you're supposed to be doing something, but right. what we have to understand is that we're supposed to be relaxing. This is our time to kind of get away, escape, focus on your families, focus on you know some of the things you may be doing at home and honestly get away because it's there's nothing we can do about this particular situation besides follow the directions yeah. of, of people who are in charge and really know what's going on with this virus. And that's just to kind of stay in the house, stay out the way, uh, try not to be around people and um, just really enjoy life. Well, I, I, I believe that the NBA continues to be at the forefront of the leagues, um, not only domestically, but globally as well. I think Adam's done a terrific job of you know, making sure that the NBA sends a message to its fans, to its players, to the rest of the world that, you know, it really cares. And it it took the right precaution by suspending the season. And I think Adam got hit with some criticism because he was really the first out of the North American sports to go that route. And what's most ironic about all of this is that had Rudy Gobert not tested positive for Corona, I'm pretty sure we'd still be playing basketball. We certainly wouldn't have been suspended when we were. I don't think we'd still be playing now, but I think a couple more games would have been played, and then we would have gone to— But think about what would have happened then. Who knows how many more guys would have been infected. Yeah, but if Rudy never tested positive, they would have played those games that night, and I think going forward, we would have been playing games in closed arenas. And they and instead of us being completely shut down, I think we would have just played— um, with no fans and then would have moved to probably being shut down completely by the government because the government won't allow, you know, more than what, more than 10 people in certain cities, more than 50 people, more than more than 250 people uh, in certain cases. So I think that would have affected um, us being able to play with no fans because I think that's that's the issue now based on what we've seen um, from the government governing ordinances, even if there is a potential return to play. Uh, we can't have two teams out there in certain in some cases because that's over that's 30 people if you include both teams and staff that's that could be 50 people which is considered a, a large gathering exactly exactly and we know we know that the virus passes through very easily it's airborne you can get it just from touching the same basketball i mean it's it's very easy to get which is why you know everyone should be taking this very seriously not just for basketball but like you should not be when, when if you see somebody okay if you have to have a conversation with somebody try to keep a distance don't shake their hand just just be be prudent about it you know i mean it's it's for your own good it's not just for helping everyone else and in that sense you should want to be a good citizen and in case you do have it and you are asymptomatic you know don't infect anyone else so i i but I am proud of the NBA. I do want to make that point, see. I'm proud of the way the league has handled it, an extremely difficult, unprecedented situation. I think the league has done a really good job with leadership, and um, I'm, I'm just I'm just happy that it's handled it so well. Yeah, I think they definitely handled it well. I think Adam has done a great job of responding quickly, swiftly, 
and handling everything with poise. You think about the type of year Adam has had uh, thus far, obviously dealing with the passing of David Stern, dealing with the passing of Kobe Bryant, uh, dealing with the uh, situation uh, with the Houston Rockets owner, you know, tweeting and, and essentially ruining relationships between um, Chinese basketball market yeah. and American basketball market. And now the coronavirus, he's had, you know, one of the worst um, years ever in terms of tragedies and events that he can't control happening and him having to respond and deal with it. But I think he's done a, a tremendous job. And based on the conversation he had today with Rachel Nichols on ESPN, I feel like the NBA season is going to potentially start later. Um, he said that the calendar could be shifted to potentially starting on Christmas um, in the near future in terms of years following because of the pushback that we're going to face uh, yeah. with the coronavirus. No, no telling when we could resume play. It could be two months. It could be one month. It could be three months. It could be four months. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty there. But I think Adam has done a great job of responding. And um, this is a tough situation for everyone, everyone involved, not just athletes, but families. People working nine to five is a tough situation, but it's all about how we respond uh, to it going forward. And I think we will respond well. And just want to remind people that it is important that we we follow the instructions. There are at least what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, at least seven NBA players who have tested positive. No telling how many other people out there have it, not just athletes, but people in general who mm-hmm. are going about their daily lives if nothing is wrong, but could could potentially be carrying the virus or be exposed to the virus. So that's just a reminder that like take this seriously. Uh, because even though you may not be affected by it, there's someone in your family that's of age that could definitely be affected and potentially uh, face some some future traumas because of this. CJ, if there is a silver lining in, in all of this, and I'm not even sure there is one, but perhaps we can look at this like an opportunity. You know, I mean, how, how often do we get to read a book without being stressed about going back to work and going going into the office, right? Now we have now we have more time. Even if you are working, you're probably not working as much. You're not commuting, certainly. And now it's like, okay, I have this time. How am I going to fill this time and be productive about it? It's not necessarily being more or less productive. It's just being different about it. And so for me, it was reading a book. I've read a couple books in the last week and a half. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, was it the most entertaining thing? Absolutely not. I'd much rather be watching NBA basketball, okay? But admittedly, I did get something from it. You know, I I, I enjoyed it. So that's one thing. You know, my, my trainer of all people said, why don't we just do these FaceTime sessions like not just working out, but I could have a FaceTime coffee with a friend. I could go out to dinner in quotes with a couple friends and we could open a bottle of wine, all of us, and we could share it together, albeit on FaceTime. So, you know, this is the new reality. We keep coming back to that. How can we how can we approach our day to day, our week to week in a in a in a productive manner that isn't, you know, so boring and that isn't so ruthless because Obviously, it's going to be a lot different, but this is one way to do it. And I would encourage everyone, not just athletes, but all people to really use this time as an opportunity to reconnect with your mind, uh, your family and everything else that matters to you. No, I, I totally agree with you. And and just want to make a correction. I was referring to the Rockets GM, Daryl Moore, and not the ownership group who you know had the tweet and the issue with, with China. But the reading books part is a great, great idea. I have a lot of books here that are waiting for me to read them. And now that I am in the house for the foreseeable future, I will be able to tackle those goals.
you discuss football, Tom Brady, more specifically going to Tampa, Tampa Bay. I am a huge Browns fan, but I'm not going to lie to you. I will be getting a Tom Brady uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey. Um, it's only right that I do just that. And doesn't doesn't change my fandom or my love for the Browns. It's just NFC, a, AFC. A nod and understanding that this is a great player um, who has taken his talents to a different market, and I have respect it. NFC, AFC. There's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, I think they're they're actually changing their, their jerseys. They're going to go back to that more classic block with the orange because their new style jerseys were, were really poor. So I... You know, I'm excited to get a Tom Brady jersey. I I, I might might get a Bucks jersey. You know, and I, I don't know. First reaction for me was like, oh my goodness, like Tom Brady, because because I I didn't think he was coming back. I, I really didn't, and I think a lot of people felt as if his time in New England had come to an end. But Tampa, Tampa, out of all the possibilities, you know, the Chargers, the Bears, you know, even the Raiders, the Titans, teams that needed a quarterback, Tampa seemed like kind of the the biggest long shot. They did seem like a long shot, but there was a little little doubt and discrepancy as to whether or not they wanted to pay Jameis Winston with him becoming a free agent. So I feel like a lot of teams that were on the fence about their current quarterback were in the running for Tom Brady. Then, so, then it was more so about the weapons surrounding him. Obviously, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have two of the best receivers in football. They have an elite tight end. They're in a position to draft the running back if they do choose to, if they so choose to do so. And there's rumors that he was looking for a team that was willing to take on Antonio Brown Mm -hmm. as well to give him another weapon to potentially throw to. So Tom is a smart man. He was very, very, very strategic with his approach in this situation. And now he's in a position where he has weapons around him. He has good weather. He's going to Florida. No state tax. There was a lot of planning, I think, around this decision. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what comes of it. Because I don't think Tom's had these type of weapons around him um, ever. You know, maybe maybe the Randy Moss era years, he had, you know, a deep ball threat. But he's always had guys that were more underneath check down you know besides Gronk he's had a lot of check down Mm -hmm. uh, receivers in his career Edelman's been great in the slot but not necessarily the deep ball threat that uh, Michael Evans and and Chris Godwin are yeah two two thousand yard guys you mentioned OJ Howard as well Cameron Brates there they have a really good young defense Shaq Barrett who they're bringing back Uh, he led the NFL and sacks. They're bringing back JPP. Good young corners. I mean, it's a really interesting fit. Also, Bruce Arians is is no stranger to working with, you know, big time quarterbacks. And I think with Tom, he'll he'll be willing to adapt to him. You know, I I don't think Belichick, for better or worse, was ever really going to adapt to an older Tom Brady. And, and Tom's going to come in and and they'll be able to find a common ground, a common language. Well into well before training camp, whenever that is, to really uh, create a system that he's comfortable with. Uh, I think it's interesting. You know, Jameis Winston threw he averaged nine yards per attempt last year. Tom Brady only six. But if you can protect Brady, and this offensive line does need help, but if you can protect him, he's one of the great deep ball throwers of all time, and, and I still think he can do it with those guys. So I'm really excited to see it. The only other one I wanted to ask you about was was DeAndre Hopkins. I, I thought this was an insane trade for the Houston Texans. Crazy. Specifically when it comes to Bill O'Brien. I couldn't believe it. He was it. the GM and head coach and clearly did not feel like he could get along anymore with DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, is 27 and has made the first has, has made first team all pro 
each of the last three years. And the last guy to do that was Jim Brown. And uh, in terms of not playing for their team the next season, Jim Brown retired Cleveland Browns, of course. Well, DeAndre Hopkins is headed to Arizona. So uh, I, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on that deal. I was surprised they did it. I obviously heard the rumors about how Madden declined the trade on the video game, basically saying like, this is a dumb trade. We wouldn't do it. <laughs> and O'Brien decides it's the right move for them. I think it puts Deshaun Watson in a tough spot, losing his go-to receiver, arguably the best receiver in the NFL. And then you look at the the flip side of it. He goes to Arizona, a young quarterback who's kind of relied on Larry Fitzgerald. He's relied on his tight ends and throwing out the backfield. Now has an elite receiver who, as you said before, Three consecutive years, um, all pro, uh, essentially 99 overall Madden type of player where you know you're elite when they consider giving you a 99 overall. This guy's a game changer, um, a guy who needs to be double teamed, basically went a full year without dropping a pass um, two seasons ago. He's an elite pass catcher, elite player, and he's going to change Arizona's future. And I'm, I'm sick because Arizona's the type of team that could that could potentially affect uh, my Browns making the playoffs. Arizona? Yeah, because we played them in regular season last year, and that was, and we lost to them without DeAndre Hopkins. So I can only imagine what would happen if we played them if we played them in the future. Yeah, but you're not going you're not going to play them again this season. We're not, but I don't like losing to, to teams. Okay, <laughs> and we. <laughs> what you're saying? And last time I went to Arizona, we lost. To, we lost to the Cardinals. I remember you were at that game. What, what you're saying is C.J. McCollum holds a grudge. I do. I don't like to see anybody get better besides us. And by us, I mean my Cleveland Browns. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Sorry. And, and, and the Bucks. And the Bucks. I mean, it's Tom Brady, so it's okay. Let, let's go to the fan questions. All right. Uh, if you follow any of us on Twitter, you've seen that we have promoted some fan questions. So I'm just going to go through some of the questions and read some of the ones I liked uh, on Twitter. And then Jordan will read some from his Twitter and Instagram as well. And then we will also be having a special guest uh, calling into the pull up pod. So make sure you stay locked in for that. But first question from at LAL Prime. Don't even know why I picked this person, but they said, what have you been doing in self-isolation for the last week? Have you picked up on any new hobbies? Uh, this is the Laker fan, obviously, uh, based on what I can tell. But uh, the last week I've watched Netflix, more specifically Elite, a lot. I played board games, Jenga. Uh, Uno, I'm very good at Uno, by the way, for anyone out there who's uh, interested in, in playing me. I've heard, I've heard this. I'm very, but very I haven't, good. I've yet to confirm it. I've only lost probably three times in a week. <sighs> Just putting that out there. But in terms of new hobbies, um, I don't really have any new hobbies. Um, drinking wine is an old hobby. The occasional walk around the house to the next room when I get tired of being in one room. Outside of that, it's been pretty consistent. I'll ask one more question, then I'll let Jordan go to some of his questions. Uh, but this is a question from TJ Jordan. I picked him because he was one of the coaches uh, for me when I was at Lehigh University. Did you grow up playing on the blacktop? Did it make you better versus the workout-only generation? When did you stop? I did grow up playing on the blacktop. I grew up working out in my backyard with my brother, uh, shooting in the street. 
I think that that helped me because it was structured, but free. I was able to just kind of go out there and do what I wanted to do. And I wasn't able to be easily burned out uh, by the workout era that we kind of see today. I think there's a certain amount of hours of kicking workout before he begins to hate basketball or just not love it as much. And I think you should kind of find that balance of allowing him or her to play the sport that they love as well as other sports so they can take certain skills from them like baseball, hand-eye coordination, learning how to work with teammates, track and field, obviously, the sprinting, the running, the jumping, um, soccer, obviously, the agility and those type of things. I think it's important that a kid, uh, male or female, is able to play different sports and kind of take that into one when they decide to choose it. Um, I stopped playing on the blacktop probably uh, junior year, senior year of high school. So I went through like working out outside, playing outside all the way up until senior year. I was going through a growth spurt and my knees were hurting. So that kind of affected my mindset and approach towards playing outside. Great question, TJ. Hope all is well. Jordan, I'll let you get some questions in, then I'll bang some more out and we'll have our guest and go on with our, uh, not quarantine, but social uh, social separation. Well, I've had some some doozies come through, um, but one of the ones I liked a lot uh, was from Pinwheel Empire, who is a frequent contributor to the message boards. Always hits me up on on Instagram and Twitter, and I know uh, you he uh, he he gets to you as well, which I appreciate. Uh, any Blazer fan, um, kind of a funny question: favorite foods, snacks, and condiments. Uh, during your self-quarantine at home. So for me, I've shifted a lot towards the protein section. And I, I guess, you know, trying to like experiment in the kitchen has been something I, I've basically neglected the last decade. And now that I have like a lot of time, I'm just cooking. I even posted on Instagram, I would you let me cook for you? Most A lot of people said no. Uh, and, and I'm... I'm grateful for the honesty because I, I needed to hear it that I'm not quite there as a chef. But CJ, uh, I've been cooking a lot of fish and I think I have found a really good recipe that is basically, you know, a, a, an ex- one big experiment, a big science experiment. Salmon, some ghost pepper, which adds some heat, uh, some lemon, sea salt, and uh, what I like to call my secret sauce. It's a veganaise aioli that I put on after. So CJ, I don't know about you, but I'm my cooking game is really improving. You've been in the kitchen. I see you, man. I've been standing by the kitchen, uh, watching Elise cook and monitoring and eating. <laughs> but I do admire your approach, and uh, you'll have to send me that recipe. What type of fish have you been making, if you don't mind me asking? I like salmon, oh, okay. uh, cod, okay. or arctic char. So I've been going with fattier fishes, getting my omegas, and uh, staying true to my Seattle Pacific Northwest roots with the with the salmon. I like it. I like it. I mean, honestly, like there's only so much fish you can cook, but um, I did find these. If you're looking for something sweet, I found a really good snack. It's called Unreal. They're like, they're like these. I don't want to say like healthy, but you know, all natural ingredients for basically mini chocolates with peanut butter or almond butter. It's called Unreal. Those are really good. Like I, if you're looking for something sweet that's not going to kill you in terms of the sugar, I I think that's. That's a big win. I definitely love the omega side of things and how you're kind of avoiding, you know, certain foods and being smart and strategic with uh, certain amounts of sugar. But for me right now, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I've had cheese and I have been eating cheese most of the season. I've really been wanting cheese. So I've had pizza. I've been drinking more bubbly than red wine. I don't know why. Probably because at least Um, crackers and cheese. We did have fruit, bacon, love bacon. 
No. Eggs. Gotta get you out of that. Of course, eggs. Eggs are big. Peppers and onions and I'm a big all those guy types with of eggs. Yeah. Eggs and avocado, little avocado toast. Breakfast tots, which is always crucial. And other than that, I think I'm gonna have some pasta tonight and go back to eating, you know, relatively healthy. But this is a time where we, we have to we have to really give in to some of our cravings and enjoy life. We'll get back to some questions in a bit. We have a guest on the phone. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Louisville small forward Jordan Wara about the NCAA tournament's cancellation, his college career, and more. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to the Pool of Pod. We want to welcome our special guest. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the podcast is when I read some of our guest uh, accolades and awards. Helling uh, from Louisville, but born in Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. September, baby. September 9th, 1998. So I think I have a fellow Virgo on the line. First team All-ACC, third team All-American, ACC most improved player in 2019. This season was averaging 18 points, eight rebounds, one assist, shooting 44% from the field. Has really evolved and transformed his game and is now a potential lottery pick um, in the 2020 NBA draft. No other than Jordan Wara from... Louisville. Appreciate you calling to the pull-up pod, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem at all. We were just briefly discussing, you know, what kind of happened, obviously, with the coronavirus and the NCAA announcing they will cancel and postpone the NCAA tournament. I was asking where you were at. You said you're currently back home in Buffalo. Just kind of walk us through what it's been like this last week. Obviously, from my perspective, I'm in the NBA um, they shut down the season. Not sure when we'll start back up. But for you, having a chance to play on the biggest stage, the NCAA tournament, uh, having the conference tournament basically shut down before you could get started. What were kind of like the emotions, the feelings, everything you guys kind of went through before um, this point now where you're at home, kind of going, looking towards the next page and potentially going to the NBA? Uh, it was really, really crazy. Uh, you know, I was sitting with my team, uh, down in North Carolina in Greensboro getting ready to to watch the Syracuse uh, North Carolina game because we were going to play the winner of that game. Um, and all we see on the bottom is, you know, they suspended the NBA season. You know, from there, we kind of had a gut feeling. You know, our coach, Coach Matt, talked to us, told us that, uh, you know, things aren't looking too good. Just be prepared for anything. And then this all kind of came really fast. Uh you know, they they canceled our tournament and then, you know, within a couple hours they canceled the the NCAA tournament too. So you now obviously a lot of guys are were disappointed, especially, you know, people that aren't gonna have another chance to come back. Uh you know, it was tough to hear. So there's a lot of emotions. Uh and just a lot of people felt like a lot of hard work kind of went down the drain. So no, it's tough, but everything happens for a reason. So yeah, that's got to be tough. I just, you know, I really feel for you guys uh, as a guy who played in the NCAA tournament and basically made a name for himself. I think I was an unknown um, to the casual fan up until, you know, my my junior season where we played and beat Duke. But just playing in the NCAA tournament, the emotions that go into it, the, his, his, the historic background uh, covering the NCAA tournament, being able to play in front of 50, 60, 70,000 live, obviously eight, nine, 10 million uh, on TV. 
Uh, it's got to be a tough blow, and I, I really feel for you guys uh, being in this situation. Obviously, this is a chance for you to improve your draft stock, to potentially win a championship, to leave your your mark on your university and college basketball in general. So I, I, I really I really feel for you guys. But on the the bright side of all of this is that you guys are going to get out of there healthy. You're in a position where you're going to be uh, an NBA player. Um, just a matter of uh, when you decide to do that. So that has to be nice. Looking at the time ahead for you now, I think – the question that I've been asked most is, what have I been doing uh, this last week and, and what are my plans going forward? So for me, uh, I actually start working out again tomorrow because I'm not sure when the season will start back up uh, or if we will start back up with us being like five, four or five games out of the A spot. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, what are you looking to kind of get accomplished these next few weeks? Uh, obviously, the draft is in June. Um, how are you kind of approaching this next, uh, I don't know, 30 to... 90 days well right now just being able to have a, a safe spot to just work out all the time uh, just kind of staying in in shape uh not a lot of people are going to be able to have that right now so just kind of making sure that i can find somewhere to work out stay in shape and then just kind of getting feedback from people and just seeing you know how things are moving in terms of you know the draft what's going to happen and uh stuff like that because as you probably know, a lot of a lot of things can change really fast, and a lot of things are going on right now, and things are really set in stone as of right now. So it's kind of just taking all the informa- information given to me and just kind of working with that. Jordan, going back to the tournament, had the NCA said, "Okay, we're going to play with no fans," because that was the original take, right? It was going to be no fans, and we're going to potentially move the Final Four to a a smaller location because we don't need to play in the uh, Mercedes Stadium in Atlanta. But had the NCAA gone on and said no fans, would you have been content? Because obviously you have you know what it is in the tournament to have fans. So would you have been okay with that as a player? You know, obviously I'd want to play in front of fans, but at the end of the day, just being able to play, just being able to, uh, you know, be in the tournament, you know, I would have been fine with that. Uh, you know... Unlike myself, there there were other, you know, seniors on my team that probably aren't gonna play again. So, you know, it's it was it's tough. You know, I, I know they would wanna play, you know, in any tournament as long as they get to, you know, be with the team play and just kinda, you know, show everything we worked for. So I would have been fine with playing in a tournament with nobody there. Uh as long as I we got to, you know, play the teams that were supposed to be in the tournament and Still got a chance to win a championship. What was your reaction, Jordan, when you heard that the NCAA tournament would be canceled? Were you, I mean, I, I imagine you were you were stunned, but you know, what was your reaction, and when did it really sink in that here's what's actually happening? You know, I was just in shock when it when it happened. I was thinking that they were just gonna do it with no fans, and you know that would kind of be it. And then you know I saw all the tweets and stuff about it. And I was just in, in shock, you know. Called my dad, let everybody know, you know, what was happening. But even in that moment, yeah, it didn't really sink in. You know, I think it took a few days. I think it took, by the time I got back to campus, it was like a day or two later. Um, that's kind of when it sunk in. And I kind of was like, man, like I'm going home right now. I'm not, I'm not even getting ready to play another, you know, college game. Like, it's supposed to be March Madness. And... I'm I'm on the road heading heading home done for the year, so that's kind of when it when it sunk in. Shifting to the NBA a little bit, obviously, 
like you said before, you found a safe place to kind of work out at and train as you prepare for potentially being drafted um, in June. What type of emotions do you have understanding that obviously your seniors are done, but you have a chance to kind of shift the page, um, potentially playing the NBA in years to come and, and accomplish your dream, which I imagine is to uh, be able to represent, you know, not only where you come from, uh, but your, your college or university, your hometown uh, in the in the league. Like, how are you how are you approaching this understanding that this is literally we're in what March now? This is your, your dream is three months away from becoming your reality. You know, it's crazy, you know, to think about. Uh, just knowing how much, you know, work I put in. Um, you know, now it's just time to, to really lock in. You know, I know I know what I need to do in order to, you know, get to where I, where I want to get to. Uh, just really about staying locked in. You know, obviously a lot's going on, but, you know, I just got to focus on, you know, just continuing to get better and just, you know, putting myself in a good position to, you know, get drafted and, uh, you know, just be able to, Stay, stay in the league for a long time. What did you do, Jordan, from last year to this season to allow you to, you know, take a take another step or really multiple steps? You 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 improved in a lot of areas, and I know you you tested the NBA waters, you know, last summer, last spring. You came back. So, what did you approach last summer, and how did that get implemented into your game this season to allow you to have so much success? I think that. You know, obviously a big part was, you know, testing the testing the draft. But I think another big part of it was was uh playing in the World Cup uh with Nigeria. I think playing with a lot of the guys that, you know, were in the league or have been in the league, uh, you know, kinda of getting tips from them, you know, learning with them, you know, throughout the whole summer. I think that helped me a lot in terms of when I got back, you know, kinda of being a step ahead, you know, of where I was and, and you know, in front of other people too. So I think being able to learn from, you know, guys that have that experience uh, helped me a lot. What was it like being coached by your father? You, you talked about the importance of, of playing in the World Cup and being able to represent Nigeria and the improvements and strides you were able to make from that. But how was it playing for your father and uh, becoming the highest scoring player for Nigeria in the history, breaking Ike Diagu's record of 31 points? You know, playing for him is, is tough. Uh, obviously, I know it's my dad, you know, growing up. You know, I never played for him until I played for Nigeria, but obviously I worked out with him, you know, growing up my whole life. You know, he's a really hard coach to play for, but, you know, I, I appreciate the time I got to play, for, play under him because, you know, who knows next time I'll be able to do that again. So, you know, it was, like, it, it was once in a lifetime. Uh, you know, I love I loved playing for him, uh, and he, he did a great job. Now, that's dope you are able to play for your father and, and being able to represent Nigeria. You also were able to play with one of my former teammates and good friends, Chief Alfaruk Aminu. What was it like playing with Chief, and how, how does he act around y'all? I want to know what type of vibes he's giving off because I've been with this guy for three, four years, and most people think he's quiet, but the real Chief has a sense of humor. He jokes around a lot. He's funny. He's outgoing. What type of vibes was Chief giving off with y'all during these times? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously on the court, you know, it's all business. Uh, you know, it's serious on the court, but off the court, you no, know, he's a super funny guy. Uh, like you said, you know, people think he might be quiet or something, but he's he's the opposite. Uh, you know, being around him a lot, you know, he's super funny. Uh, he's he's down to earth. Uh, you know, I just had I had a good time being around him. You know, his brother was there too, so you know, he's just to me, he's just a really funny guy. You know, I like being around him. So, giving you some specifics on 
on what Chief was like in our locker rooms. Basically, for the three years we were here in Portland together, the media would always ask me like, "Why he's so quiet?" And if we're able to, if we're able ever able to get any words out of him, and what I would always tell them is that Chief is the loudest one in the locker room. <laughs> he just, he just, you know, is very to himself. He has to be comfortable before he opens up around you. But I used to tell him, like, Chief has all y'all fooled because he's the one that's joking in the steam room. He's the one that has the the sarcastic comebacks. Um, he's clever. He's smart. He's witty. But he's also, like, an astute businessman who has a lot of different projects, and, and whether that be real estate, investments, tech, et cetera. Like, he's really involved in those types of things. And you wouldn't suspect it from a guy like him. But uh, I just wanted to make sure I asked you about him because that's my guy. And... Uh, I've really gotten to know him over the, the past few years. And I just wanted to see if he'd be playing the game with his with his national team the way he played the game with the media here in Portland. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. <laughs> Jordan, how about for you, like, who have you looked at in terms of uh, NBA wings that you have either modeled your game after or taken something from them, footwork, you know, um, maybe a move? Like, who, who do you look at and say, you know, I, I want to be like that. I want to do that. You know, growing up, you know, I was a big Carmelo fan. Uh, my mom's from Syracuse, so and I was a huge Syracuse fan growing up. So, you know, I've always been a big Melo fan. Uh, but once I once I got a little older, you know, I kind of just as a shooter, you know, obviously I'm watching Steph, Clay, you know, guys like that. Just just in terms of shooting, but you know, I like to. Anybody that's good and I see something that I like, you know, if I can try to add it to my game, if I'm capable of it, I'm going to try to. So, you know, I'm not somebody right now who I, I'll say I really just look to model my game after one person. Uh, I think it's just as a collective. Like, if I'm watching something and see, see something that I like or something that I, I I would need to add to my game, you know, it's just something I, I'll do. Jordan, are you, are you doing what CJ does right now, which is watching – a ton of YouTube clips of yourself? Because that's what CJ's been doing. <laughs> uh, nah, I have watched a few highlights of myself. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, but uh, not not really not really too much. Uh, I've watched a few, you know, of our past game, but other than that, I've, I've been kind of just enjoying this time with my family a little bit, trying to stay off my phone, phone a little, and, you know, like, topics. CJ, some young wisdom here. Stay off his phone. <laughs> Don't watch so much YouTube. I, I'm impressed. No, I mean, honestly, as you get older, you start to care less about what people think about you and really only care about what like close family members and people think about you. But sometimes, sometimes the season go, is so long, you have to go back and watch old games. And for me, being this is my, my seventh year in the league, I can tell by like the years by my haircut and the shoes I'm wearing. Otherwise, like the game is the same. The way I move, the way I play is the same. But sometimes I like to go back and watch like my fourth year or my fifth year um, to see how I was guarded, see the differences in the coverages. Are they trapping me now? Do I get one-on-one with the big? Do they switch? Sometimes it's that stuff. And sometimes I just want to watch highlights because I'm just bored. Like you're going to see you have a lot of idle time once you get to the NBA, bro. The, the life your life changes completely you're busy but you're not busy all in one like you have a, a schedule of things you have to accomplish and do but you have no school so you work out three hours a day even if you go back at night you still got 15 hours to do whatever you want <laughs> and that's like a big 
that's a big thing that you have to adjust to coming from college is you, you go to practice at nine, you're out of there by 12. And you got from 12 to 10 p.m. to do whatever you want, 11 p.m., 12 p.m. to do whatever you want. And that's the, and that's why you see like Bradley Bill, Steph Curry. Steph got a whole family and he's still watching YouTube. They tell you how bored he is. <laughs> that's crazy. I got a quick lightning round for our young guests today. Um, and, you know, a lot of this is based off of things I want to know, but also fan fan questions on social. So, Jordan, you ready? These are these are quick, fun hitters that I think you'll enjoy. It, will, it won't take long. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Favorite opposing arena to play in in the ACC? Favorite opposing arena to play in? Uh, probably North Carolina. Ahead of Cameron? Yeah, yeah. Because of the size? Yeah. I think the I like the size. Uh, Cameron, Cameron has a nice tradition and stuff, but you know, I had a good time going into North Carolina last year. So Yes, you did. Uh, okay. What would Louisville have done in the NCAA tournament? I think we would have went on a run. You know, I think we could have made it to at least the Elite Eight uh, and hopefully the Final Four after that. Favorite Chris Mack? Uh, funny quote or funny thing he does that maybe people don't know about? Uh, last year, he used to say the word hellacious all the time. He would use the word hellacious anytime he could. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, favorite teammate? Uh, Darius Perry. Because? Uh, that's just my like my best friend, so, you know, that's my boy, so, and my roommate, so, you know, that's my man for real. So Got you. That's about it. <laughs> uh, favorite Louisville player? That went on to NBA success. So, favorite all-time Louisville player? Favorite all-time Louisville player, either Luke Hancock or Donovan. And favorite favorite Yum Center memory at home, playing in, in front of your home crowd? Uh, my favorite Yum Center, Center memory is probably uh, being in Michigan this year. And hardest player you've had to guard during your entire tenure at Louisville? I think that just my, fresh, my freshman year, Playing against Duke, I mean that that whole team was was hard to guard. I think <laughs> the one that won the championship. Uh, I think that was the year before me, so I think it was the next year. They had uh, Grayson, Marvin, uh, yeah. Wendell, guys like that. That's awesome. And favorite move for you, Jordan? Favorite move you have in your arsenal? Probably just a step back. <laughs> I was I was I was gonna guess a step back. Yeah. CJ, I think your favorite move is step back, too. It's the easiest way to create space. It's all about the setup before the step back, though. Hard dribble, pound dribble, between the legs, crossover, behind the back. However, you can set it up so many different ways. And then it's just easy to create space. And if you're tall, like you're tall, so you can just raise up. You don't have to get as much space. The shorter you are, the more space you need. But I always say, what you're going to find out when you have to guard some of the, like the Lou Williams or somebody maybe on like a two or three that likes a pump fake. The guys that don't create as much space, they they just doing that just so they can pump fake. I'm writing that down for my men's league, CJ. <laughs> you should actually add that to your bag, Schultz. The step, the, the close, the uh, quick step back. Don't create a lot of space, but you have to have refs. You can't pump fake and jump into somebody with no refs. So that's, that's, that's just not allowed. I mean... It's unacceptable. It is unacceptable, and, and I don't have the best footwork, so... You know, we have to work on that. But, Jordan, we really appreciate you taking the time, buddy. For sure, man. And good luck with everything uh, in Buffalo, your pre-draft process. Um, I wish you nothing but success. All right. Thanks yeah, for having me. Appreciate it. Back to the questions. Once again, we want to thank Jordan for calling into the pull-up pod. Uh, appreciate him, as always, and best of luck. 
in the upcoming draft. Two more questions. What do you got? What do you got? I know you got some good ones. Okay. Dustin Hoss from Portland. The Game 7 block of Murray and clutch jumpers with an S. <laughs> plural, because there was multiple. Over Craig were part of one of the most iconic and memorable performances in Trailblazer history. Can you describe your preparation leading up to that game and your thought process during those incredible plays. So, Dustin, shout out to my Portland folk. Um, that is a really good question. My mindset going into the game was to just kill. Um, I trust my preparation, my game film, study, um, understanding how I was going to be guarded, tendencies, and just knew I needed to be as aggressive as possible. With the game seven on the road, you never want to get down early, and we did just that. We got down by like 15 to 20 points early in the game. But I always, as I like to say, they blew their load. They they extended their energy. It really came out and threw like haymaker after haymaker after haymaker and I felt like they couldn't sustain it for the entire game I just kept telling the guys we can just cut this down to 10 we get it down to 15 get it down to 15 get it down to 10 before this quarter we got action because I felt like we had the better one-on-one players and I felt like we were more mentally tough um, down the stretch Um, I always feel like I'm more mentally tough than everybody but I just felt like they would get tight on on the fact that they were at home, we were down, they were supposed to win it, it was a game seven, and they had everything to lose. We were technically supposed to lose that game because we were on the road in a game seven, and, and no one really comes back and wins on the road. So I just kind of locked in, got to my spots early, coach called my number, I told D I'm not leaving any bullets in, in, in the chamber, I'm, I'm letting them all go. If we go home, we're gonna go home knowing that we did everything we could um, to win and it just wasn't enough and that's kind of how I approached it and just down the stretch I just told him to give me the ball whether that was pick and roll or iso and I remember the last time out Terry had drew up a play and uh, he had he had me getting a mid pick and roll and I told him I said they're going to trap me I said no pick and rolls I, I said just get out the way give me a flat and I'm going to get us a bucket and we're going home and that's exactly what I did but that was just my mindset and preparation is to go out there and kill be my best version of me um, living and dying with getting to the cup, getting to the mid-range. I think I only made one three-pointer the whole game, just as a basically a FU to analytics, showing that if you can get to your spots, um, you can win and live by the mid-range shot. So, great question. Great question, Ari. And I remember in the aftermath of that, two things. One, you had that snake dribble pull up right before. So, you obviously liked that spot. It was almost the identical spot. And two, you saying you felt like you already had an advantage. Even though Craig is a very good defender, you felt like you had an advantage right uh, or when the game was in in the balance. So I I remember that very well. But what I also remember is thinking that this is a team that has been to the playoffs six straight years in Portland, and it's a team in Denver that is very talented but very young and lacks experience. Definitely. I felt like... Although they are a very good team, we've been through a lot more than them in terms of up years, down years. We've been swept in the playoffs. We've kind of faced a lot of different levels of adversity to where I felt like we'd be able to maintain our composure and kind of overcome it. E.T. hit some big shots down the stretch. He hit some big free throws for us. Guys defended, rebounded. Remember, Rodney Hood got hurt in this game. We ended up losing Rodney yeah. Hood in Game 7. So we were, we were beyond shorthanded, but we just understood what was at stake. And as I always like to say, I I felt like I had an advantage when I woke up out the bed because of how I prepare. And I know where I want to go on the court. 
And I think the offensive player always has that type of advantage when he knows what spots he wants to get to, how he's going to get there. And then it's just a matter of make or miss. And in that game, I made more than I missed. We got enough stops down the stretch. And big fella gave us a, a blessing by missing some free throws for us uh, down the stretch. And we were able to um, take one in historic fashion. See, the basketball fan of me is geeking out when I hear you say, I wake up with, a, with an advantage. I just, it puts a big smile <laughs> On my face when I hear that. That's a bar, but it's true. No, but you know what? If you don't feel that way, you can't be successful. Exactly. And if you're prepared, you should feel that way. That's the bottom line. Amen. I like this question from Reggie, X Reggie on Twitter. Any interest in esports, CJ? That's a great question. Hold on, let me think about this for a second. Here, I'll I'll answer what you think. I am very interested in it. And Nightwatch has done some amazing things. I think this is uh, a very intriguing new wave of sports and a way to consume it. What I haven't been able to understand is why people go to the arenas now to watch to watch a game or a match live. Like I haven't gotten to that point, but I am interested in it. I'm definitely interested in it now that I think about it. As I said before on Twitter, I only have a Nintendo in this house. One of my close friends sent me a Nintendo, so I've been playing that. Lately, a Mario Kart, Mario, all that stuff. But I used to play PlayStation a lot, and I used to be very involved in 2K, Madden, FIFA. So I'm probably going to go buy a, a PlayStation or Xbox in the next couple of days. But I've been very interested in the Twitch and being able to online stream. I haven't played online since I was in college, but I kind of want to get back into it because it's a fun way to interact and compete against other people. And I think as a, a guy who grew up with a sibling in the house and then my brother went to college, it wasn't as fun playing as the computer. And I think this allows you know, people who may be single, single child households or maybe young adults who want to compete against others all across the world. It gives them a chance to play against friends, play with friends, and to potentially compete for money, which is super dope. Um, and, and that aspect. So I'm definitely interested in it. I'm learning more about it. I got some teammates, a lot of younger, 20, 21-year-olds that play. Myers is big in gaming. Um, he knows a lot about it and has been able to kind of create a nice setup to where he's playing live streaming for his fans to watch. And I think it's cool because these these guys and girls are elite gamers. Like, you know, they're at the top of their realm, how we are uh, in, in our sport. Uh, respective sports and for you as a journalist they're the elite gamers in the world yeah to that point cj there's a really interesting article in the washington post that goes in depth about esports and uh, overwatch i said night watch earlier i meant to say overwatch the gaming leagues that are taking over especially right now because there is that that gap and, and we're, we're all looking for something to watch that's competitive and you know esports is certainly on the table and they talked about the dramatic increase in ratings, about 18% in China alone. America as well has gone up. It's a really interesting read. Even if you're not like an esports guy or girl or a big gamer, I think it really paints a picture of like, here's something else we can get behind. And here's here's how and why, you know, because it's obviously something different. It's something that's still very new. It's a different way to look at, reality television other than just like the bachelor or love is blind you know reality reality tv is is best served in the form of sports but we don't have that now so maybe esports can fill that void to a degree i definitely think that people are going to take full advantage not just people but athletes in particular 
are going to take full advantage of esports, especially during these times, because our life revolves around interactions with other people, playing the game of basketball with other people, having referees, having fans, having coaching staff. And when you take that away, you have to find another way to be competitive with your lifestyle and be able to, you know, entertain yourself. And I think a lot of athletes are going to esports, going to video games, uh, FIFA, Call of Duty, all different types of games to have fun, interactive conversations and situations with their friends, family, and fans. So I think it's something that's going to continue to arise uh, all across the country. Yeah, there's a really good uh, article for those interested in the Washington Post that goes through how esports is literally taking over during this time. You know, and I think uh, there's a quote about it having an 18.2% bump just in Chinese viewership. Uh, U.S. viewership is up as well, really across the board. And again, you're talking about a tremendous amount of money. And there's 20 million people playing some of these games, you know, 6 million and others, uh, 10 million and others. Like there's incredible audiences. So, you know, I, I mentioned uh, Nightwatch. I meant to say Overwatch earlier. These leagues that are filling arenas like Madison Square Garden and Staples Center, obviously not right now, but they have this built-in audience. So this is like, what an unbelievable blessing in disguise for esports. Uh, and there's a $60,000 prize pool in the League of Legends Fantasy League. That's that's a small change, a chunk of change when you consider that some of these gamers, by the way, CJ, are making seven million or seven figures with their uh, with their videos they post on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's a real game changer. I know Ninja and some of the elite gamers in the world are making ten to twenty million uh, per year with sponsorship and and some of the marketing and endorsement deals that they're getting wow. uh, outside of gaming and including gaming. Um, this is something that you can make money off of as a kid. I remember before when I was younger growing up, my mom always used to say, you can't make any money off of playing video games. You need to get outside and blah, blah, blah. Right. Now, right. you know, this is a time where I would be able to tell my mom, honestly, mom, I can make millions of dollars playing video games and we need to take this more seriously. But that's probably one of the main reasons why I don't play video games the way I used to is because I kind of grew out of it and I realized I had so much right. I needed to accomplish in real life that I couldn't just live in this fantasy. But now it's time to go back to the fantasy <laughs> at this point because of the... Yeah, it is the, the fantasy is the reality. Yeah, this is a reality but that's, now. That's a great point, though. That's a great point, though, because you were always told, I certainly was, like when I would play... You know, hours of NCAA football or Madden, whatever game. Like, what are you wasting your time for? I always thought it was educational because I would, I could learn the offenses and the players' names. But more than anything, now you really can make money. But CJ, the the social side of it, right? Like when you're playing online and you're talking to who knows where from New Zealand or who knows who from New Zealand. Like that's I don't know. There's nothing else that really presents that opportunity. I I, I think this is an opportunity for you to get a new gamer tag. Get a PlayStation or an Xbox, preferably. Uh, play me in FIFA and develop your own style. Maybe you won't be a professional gamer, but it could give you an outlet. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm going to take you up on this. and We got to go get some groceries shortly. So I'm going to buy a system, figure out how to hook it up online, and it's going to start. I'm going to read. I'm going to make sure I, I read at least you know an hour a day. But in the meantime, video games are going to be my next new reinvented hobby from my childhood 100% absolutely um do we want to call it you want to go to wine yeah let's definitely go to wine um it's it's always time for wine cue the wine music please 
I've had a lot of time. Do, 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 do. I've had a lot of time to drink plenty of different wines, and right now I want to shout out a couple. I'm currently drinking a bottle from Soder, Mineral Springs. Oh, their I love rose. it. It's That's a great one. 2015. Yeah, it's also known as their Soder Pop. It's very, very good. As you all know, I'm a big red wine guy, but wifey likes the bubbly, so we're drinking the bubbly. And um, I can't complain. It has a great taste. It goes well with food or with nothing. Uh, as of right now, I'm having some cheese and crackers and a little bit of uh, meats. But I really want to shout out another wine that I had earlier in the week from a winery here in Oregon called Blizzard. It is very, very good. Uh, it was their wedding blend, more specifically their 2015 wedding blend. And I don't think it's on most apps, but you're able to purchase online or via their winery once they open back up because most of the wineries are closed. But it was more on the bold side and light. It was more smooth and tannic and more sweet than dry. Uh, the the acidity was more so in the in the middle, but it was a great blend. Very soft, goes down smooth, not full body at all, but uh, can provide not only a, a nice buzz, but a nice taste uh, in the meantime. So I, I, I highly recommend it. Shout out to Blizzard for, for hosting us. Um, uh, a week or two ago, however long it was since we've gone. Obviously, they're closed down now, but we had a great time. And shout out to Geoff, uh, our athletic trainer, for for being a member there and, and, and kind of pointing us into that direction. Because now I have another place I can enjoy and really, really dive into. I I, I appreciate your you supporting the Oregon wines or Washington. I think the Pacific Northwest continues to produce tremendous grapes. There is no question about it. Um, I posted a an Instagram story about my my new career. I've officially become a registered and certified sommelier. Um, I'm not a master, but I mean, I'm I'm no joke. I'm I'm good. I know my I know my shit. And um, what I've noticed is that since then, I've 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 become arrogant, and I've been going overseas a little bit too often. But that wine I do want to highlight, which is the 01 Frosnach, F-R-O-S-N-A-C. It's Chateau de, I don't know how to pronounce, but if you're really interested, hit me up and I'll get it to you because it's very affordable and very good. But CG, I've noticed now that I've become this, you know, kind of this wine snob and it's 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 rubbing me in a very wrong, it's rubbing me in the wrong direction because I, I feel like I'm... I'm actually, um, I'm getting away from my, my roots. I like it. I'm definitely going to take you up on that. I, I definitely want to check that out because you said it was great and it had a great price point. Great price point. But the whole point of this was to was to confess that I'm just not what I used to be. As a new sommelier, I'm, I'm just, I'm exploring too many uh, worldly wines. I need to get back to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> you should get back, but you should stay away from Seattle for right now because of obvious reasons. Um, but I think you should definitely get back. Thanks. Thank you for that. Get back to the uh, Pacific Northwest once everything kind of settles down. Once again, a great pod, a great cast. We hope everyone continues to practice social distancing, uh, being smart, washing your hands, um, enjoying time with loved ones, video games, board games, scrap board games, um, books, whatever the case may be. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, backslash Pull Up with CJ, or wherever you get your show. Once again, we appreciate Jordan Wara pulling up, as well as Jordan Schultz. And don't forget to pull up. Pull up.